First Timothy chapter five. Now I find it amazing how different those that lived in the Bible world are from our world here today. Um, I, I do like there's a lot of things that are similar, but there are a lot of things that are different from them to us. And we have to understand some of these things that they had or didn't have that we have today. Um, what am I talking about? Well, back then when you got married, the woman's family needed to give a dowry. Know what that is? That is money or property or something that she needed to bring into the marriage just in case the husband died. The husband died, you had that money to take care of the woman. I mean, back then, I don't want to shock you here, but there were no Chick-fil-A's. So if the husband died, the wife couldn't go and get a job at Chick-fil-A and, and provide for herself. She was stuck. And if she didn't have grandchildren or children to take care of her, and she didn't have somebody to, 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 to be there as a support for her, she was in big trouble. Now, let's talk about today's world, where we live. We got 401ks. We got life insurance. Uh, by the way, when I first married Katie, my father-in-law took me out fishing. And while we were out in these woods, in this secluded area, he asked me a question that I'll never forget. How much life insurance do you have? I started to look around. It was a perfect place to whack me. Nobody would have known. And so I told him, I have this much uh, life insurance. And, and, he, and he wasn't mad. He wasn't upset. He didn't get, he, he looked at me just as a nice father-in-law would. And he said to me, Jeremy, that's not enough. Now I'm really getting worried. I'm thinking, what's well, not enough? How much do I need? And so I went and I got another life insurance policy. I had two to make sure that Katie was taken care of just in case my father-in-law killed me. Right? <laughs> because that wasn't a realm of possibility after that conversation. He was worried about her. He wanted to make sure that she was going to be taken care of. If something happens to me today, Katie's got that money, she's got four children, she, she's got other things around here that will take care of her. She has social security that will take care of her. There's different things that will take care of her during that time. They didn't have that back then. I'm amazed on how things are today. Nursing homes and assisted living today. Beautiful places. Uh, I, I, I went to one of them and they had these two rooms in it. One was the bedroom and, and one was the living room. And the, the people that go and live there, they bring their bedroom furniture and put it in the bedroom room. And, and the people that have the living room furniture put it in the living room. So it looks like your home. And you got a bathroom. What else do you need? Beautiful homes. I mean, we live in a world where there is this beautiful... They didn't have that back then. It wasn't like the husband died and said, oh, we'll just have you go to assisted living. There's beautiful homes for you. No, they were in trouble. 
And here's the problem. Churches really don't know how to handle people that are in need because there are spiritual frauds out there who like to take advantage of churches and actually take money out of church. And it just amazed me. We got a call from a lady that said, I accidentally sent a check there. Can you turn, re return back my money? And so we, we, I, I, met, I, I talked to Rick. I said, Rick, this person said they sent a check. Can you check it out? And then see, that person never sent a check. They just wanted money from the church. There are spiritual frauds out there. And how do we handle them? And that's why I love this passage, because this is a wonderful, wonderful passage to help us all as a church to really understand how are we to care for those that are desolate and are in need. And, and, and Paul brings up a category of people. They're called widows. Right? And I want you to notice verse 3 for a moment. He says here, I want you to honor widows. Honor them. This is not just talking about respect. It is not just talking about, you know, holding them up in the highest respect. It is talking about being there as an emotional and being there as a financial support to them. Honor is where we get the word honorarium, where it's financial. We're going to even see here in the passage later on. This is talking about financial support. Now, look at this verse. It says, I want you to honor widows who are what? Widows indeed. So the first question we need to ask ourselves is how widow are they? <laughs> no? Because there are widow widows. No. <laughs> I want you to look at this. Some of you really like that one. Some of you are going to kill me after this one. I want you to notice this little phrase, widow indeed. It's found three times in the passage. Look at this. Verse 3, it says, widows indeed. Look at verse 5. Now she is a widow indeed. You see that? He's going to put categories on. Look at verse 16 for a moment in your Bible. He says, if any woman is a believer as dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened. So that it may assist those who are what? Widows indeed. So there are categories of widows. And, and here's what's amazing about this. The word widow there, according to Lenski, and this is beautiful. The word widow in the Greek literally means robbed. She's robbed of her husband. She is robbed of her spouse. She no longer has that, that emotional and, and physical and financial person in their lives. She's been robbed. Think about that when you think of someone who's a widow now. They've been robbed of their spouses. And so widows indeed, there are categories of widows here that we're going to see right here in this passage. Not every widow it falls onto the church that the church should take care of. They've been robbed of their spouses. They don't have their spouses anymore uh, uh, next to them. They're gone. And so in verse 4, we're going to see that those who are widow indeed are not going to have children and grandchildren around. Watch this. Look at this. Verse 4, he says, I want you to take care of, verse 3, the widows who are really widows. 
Who are these people that are in need? Well, in verse 4, the primary responsibility for widows is their family. I love this verse. Look at this. But if any widow has children or what? All right, now, who has the King James here? All right, you have the King James? Okay, we have one person. All right, one person with the King James. What is the word in your Bible? Nephews. Nephews. Isn't that interesting? You know why nephews is there? I learned this study and I was getting so excited. You know why nephews is in the King James? Because in 1611, the word nephew meant grandchildren. Now does it mean grandchildren? No, but I'll still send this to my nephew. Amen? It doesn't because the English language changes over years. Interesting thought there. But he's saying this. He's saying this. Look, if they have children or if they have grandchildren, isn't this beautiful? It doesn't just fall on the children. It falls on the, I can't wait to teach this to my grandchildren. If they have grandchildren, they must first learn. In other words, this is something that young people need to learn. They don't understand this. In the world that we live in, that just throws their parents out when they get older and say, go, go fend for yourselves or go take care of yourselves. I'm not even going to deal with you or don't even talk to that person. We need to learn something here. God has a lesson for us. Those who have children and grandchildren, they must first learn to do what? Two things. They must first learn to practice, what is the word? Piety, or really the word is worship God, they must learn to worship God first, where? In their own home. In other words, what he's saying is this. You need to put your religion to practice in your home. Let me just tell you something. The hardest place to live for God is the home. Our spouses know us. Our children know us. It's easy for me to say, okay, we shouldn't be impatient. And then I get home and Abigail drops something on my foot. It's very hard not to be impatient during that time. Actually happened this week. Got some bruise, by the way, too. She got me good. It's practice your religion where? First at home. It starts at home. He's saying children need to understand this and grandchildren. If you really want to worship God and serve God, you need to put this into practice right in your own home. I want to show you James chapter 1 for a moment. I want to show you a verse. Somebody says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a godly person. I, I worship God. I'm, 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 I'm a person that, that wants to serve the Lord. Show them this verse. Are you really? Look at James chapter 1 verse 27. What does it say in this passage? If you're really a person who worships God, here's what you're going to do. Pure... An undefiled religion in the sight of our God and our Father is this. Visit orphans and who else? Widows. When? In their distress. Be there for them. Be there for them. And then to keep oneself unspotted by the world. He's saying, going back to 1 Timothy 5, that children and grandchildren need to understand this. Children and grandchildren need to understand that you are responsible to take care of those who are widows. You are responsible. And not only that, I love this verse. Look at this in verse 4. It says they must first learn to put their religion into practice in their own home, worship God in their own home, 
And then this, and to make some return to their parents. Do you see that there? Isn't this beautiful? To make some return to their parents. In other words, it's only here in the Bible, to pay back their parents. Do you know how much it costs to raise a kid? Well, I'm not even going to talk about money here. I'm going to talk about sleepless nights. Do you know how many sleepless nights it costs to raise a kid? Let me tell you something. We got four beautiful kids. I thank the Lord for our kids, but they weren't good sleepers when they were born. In fact, it took Joshua a whole year. I almost ended up in a hospital because of him. He would not sleep. He would not. And he, we were in another culture, so he knew how to cry in two languages. He was bilingual in his crying. And he would come, and I'm telling you, he's so cute, so beautiful. I mean, you couldn't get mad at him, but you wanted to, but you just couldn't do it. And his diaper would make so much noise when he walked. You know what I'm talking about. And I'd be laying in bed about to say, uh-oh, here he comes, Katie, here he comes. And then he knew, he knew we'd get mad. He knew that it was hard for us. We were sleeping, we're, we're tired. So what he would do is put his little green blankie next to the door and he would wave it like a flag. And once we saw that green blankie, our hearts melted. Okay, come on in, Joshua, come on in the bed. Jump into the bed, hang out there, roll around for a little bit, you know, but I can't sleep. He is 17 years old now. He still wakes us up. <laughs> Do you know how many sleepless nights it is raising a child? Do you know how much stress it is raising a child? It is not easy. The emotional pain, the physical pain, the lack of sleep, the lack of finances. You go down the list. And what are you saying is this? Children need to understand that. And when their parents get to a certain age and they can't take care of themselves, and especially when one is a widow, you are to pay them back. Amen. Wow. Now, this is not saying that there's not time to put them in a nursing home. That's okay. Or assisted living. There's not, it's not wrong with that. But he's saying this. You ought to prepare yourselves to be able to take care of them. Katie, it, it, and this, is, this is amazing because... My, my, my father-in-law, he's a wonderful example of this. Grandma Joy lives with him. And my father-in-law told me this. He said, you know what? We gave her the best bedroom in the house because that's what we believe you should do, give the best bedroom. I said to him, you are not getting the best bedroom in my house. We'll take care of you, but you're going to the shed. We'll take care of you. Nah, nah, we'll take care of him. Katie's preparing. The house is getting ready. She even talked about the bathroom. We may need to remodel that, not have a tub so they could just walk in. This is a responsibility for children and grandchildren. And if, if they're there, they ought to be able to take care of me. You say, Jeremy, why do we do that? Why should they practice their religion in their own home? Why should they pay back their parents? Look what the passage says. It's beautiful. It says this, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. This is something that pleases God. God loves this. 
When he sees a child or a grandchild take care of someone who can't take care of themselves. This is a way to worship God. Somebody says, and I know, I know, I know the um, objection here, but you don't know my parents. I invite them to my home, I'm going to end up where I, you know, into a lunatic home. Here's where Paul tugs at our hearts here. Here's where Paul gets right to our hearts. I want, I want you to see this. This is beautiful. Look at verse 5. He says this, and if your heart doesn't go out to this, I don't know what will. He says, now she who is a widow indeed, remember the word widow means robbed of her spouse, who has been, and don't miss this next phrase, left, what? Alone. She's alone. She's desolate. She doesn't have the emotional, physical, and financial support anymore. She has lost her support system. It's gone. And if that doesn't tug at your heart, I don't know what will. They, they have lost a person. Not only are they married as a companion I was living in, they, have lo- they are alone. They're not there anymore. This, I think, could apply not only to those who have lost their spouses, but to those who have spouses that have been deployed. The wife is alone. I'll, I'll never forget when we, I looked at Sam and I said, so you're going to be gone for a few months. Who's going to take care of Sarah? And, you know, Sam is a straight shooter. He said, you are. You guys are. The church is. I was like, oh, well, the church is around. And you did. Yeah, and by God's grace, we did. And, you know, and, and Sarah, I'll tell you, it was amazing. that t- Everything that could go wrong when Sam was gone did go wrong. I mean, she even put her hand through the window. I don't know if she was trying to jump out of it or what was going on. But, you know, she, I mean, she's, you know, she's at home alone. She, had to, she doesn't have the emotional support, the physical support there. But yet the church filled in. There are moms who have husbands next to them who still don't have the support that they need. Church needs to be aware of that. There are moms whose husbands have left. But they're alone. They're desolate. They, they don't have that support. So what do you do when you're in that situation? You see, here in America, we, very few of us are in that situation because we have all these things to fall back on. We have the health care. We have the people that can take care of us. We have all these things. Imagine living in a country where you can't trust these things, where you go to a health official and you're on the table, they're about to operate, and he says to you, where do I stick the needle? It actually happened. I'm sitting there on the table. I said to him, are you kidding me? You don't know where to stick the needle? I'm going to call my wife. I went to get off the table. He threw me back on. He goes, we'll find the place. Don't worry. (laughs) Holy moly. What do you do when you don't have this support system? What do you do when you go to a police officer? I had a friend who got robbed in Argentina. He went to the police and he said, the guy tied me up and he grabbed me like this. and, 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 And he looks down and he sees the shoes. And it was the same guy that robbed him. He was a police officer. What do you do when the politicians are robbing everything? And you live in a country where you can't trust that. Here's what you do. 
You trust in God. What do you do? Look at this passage. This is why I love it. This is a widow indeed. This is a true widow. She has lost her support system. She has no family, no children, no grandchildren to take care of her. She has no husband to take care of her. She is desolate. What does she do? Verse 5. Look at this. She puts her hope on who? God. Don't miss this. She has fixed her hope on God. She trusts in God. She believes in Him to take care of her. She has not lost her hope in God. How easy it is when we lose our support system to say, okay, there is no God. I don't trust in God. I want nothing. No, no, she continues to hope in God. And not only does she continue to hope in God, how do we know that? Look at this in, in verse 5. She, she, she continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. She's a prayer warrior. She's hoping in God and she's begging God to take care of her needs. One of my professors lost his wife. Well, he, he passed away. His wife is still alive. I'm sorry. And she just turned 90. She lives in Iowa. She has no husband. She lost. This is her second husband. Her family is not there. She is alone. I talked to her on the phone, and she said to me, Jeremy, God is so good. She says, he's got a plan for my life. She's trusting in God. She's hoping in God. She's continuing in prayers and supplications. She prays for us. Let me just tell you something. She is a widow indeed. <clears throat> She is an example of having no support system, but yet still hopes in God, and God takes care of her. You know what happened? Her second husband, he, 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 the way he lived his life, put her in a lot of debt. Not only did he die, he left her in financial problems, and yet God is taking care of her. He says, now there's a widow who has been left alone. She's been robbed of her spouse. She is desolate. There's no family around, no support system. But her hope is in God. You take care of those people. You make sure that you, you are taking care of them. But there are others. Look at this in verse 6. Oh, man. There are others who don't live out their faith, who don't trust in God, who don't have their hope in the Lord, who, who aren't continuing in prayer, who give up on God. Look at this in verse 6. But she who gives herself to what? Wanton pleasure. You know, this is only used one other time in the Bible, and it speaks of self-indulgence. In other words, this is the woman who is so happy her husband is gone, now she can live up her life. He's gone! Let's live it up, baby. Let's do it. And she is the woman who likes to milk churches and, and milk them for everything they got. And, oh, I lost my husband. Will you take care of me with this and with that and with this and with that and with this? And milks the system. She is the one that's all about self. One person put it this way. A pig ignores its owner while it's chomping on food. But then it starts to squeal when it's hungry. You know why? Because then they need something. These are the people that say they need God. But then when they get what they want, they no longer need God. Have you met them? Who start coming to churches and start reading Bibles and, and saying, well, I really need to seek God. And then God gets them out of the problem that they're in and you never see them again. 
These are the people that try to use God and use churches and use things and milk the system. You know what? Paul is very straightforward about these people. Not only do you not help them, look what he says here in verse 6. He says, but she who gives herself the one pleasure who is all about self, who really doesn't hope in God, who is not praying to God, who is milking the system and, and milking churches, here's what this person is. She's dead. There's two funerals here. Not only has she lost her husband, she has no relationship with God. She is spiritually dead. She is separated from God. Oh, she looks alive. It says even while she lives, she looks alive. She looks like she's living it up. She looks like she's free now that her husband is dead, but she is dead. She has no relationship with God. She is spiritually separated. She is a spiritual fraud. Paul says, now we ain't helping those. Be careful with those. Be careful with those who come with their stories and try to milk the system. Be careful with those. We've been duped before. I, don't, I can't see people's hearts. I don't know. But I'll say one thing. What Paul says, they are dead while they're alive. That is a sad condition to live in. They think they have life. They think they're living it up. They think they can do everything they want. And they are dead. Here's what Paul says in verse 7. Look at this. He says, I want you to teach these things well. Teach these things. Teach that children need to take care of people that are in that situation. Teach a widow that when she loses her, her spouse that she doesn't want to live it up and, and do those things that don't please God. Teach these things well. Here's why. Look at verse 6, what it, 7. I'm sorry, what it says here. It says, so that they may be what? Above reproach. People are watching. They're looking. And they want to see. Are we really going to take care of people as a church? Or are widows, the they there are the widows, are these people really pleasing God and serving God in a way that honors them? Look at this here in verse 8. Now here's where we get down to it. And now this is for everyone here. Don't miss this. Put your name in verse 8. But if anyone... If Jeremy, if Katie, if Bob, if Abigail, if Joshua, and we can just go down the list. If anyone here, I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care if you're young or old. This is, applies to all of us here. If anyone here, anyone, Paul's going to just bring it out broad. He says, here's what you have to do. You got to take care of these people. But now if anyone here, if anyone, look at this does not provide for his own, does not plan and provide for his own, especially who? Those of his what? Household. Now, here's where this gets amazing. There are three families that we have, if you're a born-again believer here. You have a family that you are born into. Can't choose that one. I was born into a nice, beautiful Italian family. They all got big schnozzes. I thank the Lord for that. We went to a family reunion. We're like, how are we going to find them? Just look for their noses. We'll find them. And we did. You know what I mean? My uncles, all that. They all got schnozzes. My aunts, everybody got schnozzes. They all got schnozzes. <laughs> That's the family I was born into. Right? Here's this. I also married into a family. Uh-oh. 
I got in-laws I got to take care of. I can't just say, well, no, no, no. They're my responsibility too. And you want to know something? When you're born again, you come to a place, you have a church family. Wait a minute here. I'm staying away from this. No, 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 no. You have a family. If you're married here, you married into a family that you're responsible for. And if you're a church person, you have a church family to take care of. Don't think you're exempt from this. No one is. If anyone does not provide and take care of those, especially those of his household, two things he's going to say, you are doubly damned here if you don't do this. Look at this here in, in verse 8. If you don't do this, you have denied the very faith that you say you have. In other words, we can't say that we trust in God and yet we ignore this in our lives. We are denying with our lives the very faith that we profess with our lips. In other words, James says this, you want to show me your faith? I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith works. How does it work? It takes care of households. You don't do that. You've denied the faith. And then look at this. If that ain't bad, look at the second thing. Holy cow. You not only have denied the faith, he is what? Worse than an unbeliever. You are living a level lower than unsaved people. Let me say this. I don't know a lower level than that. Let me say this. Unsaved people get this. You want to know what the blessing is of being born into an Italian family? Is when my father died, my dad told me, he said, you know what, Jeremy, you know what I'm leaving you? I'm leaving you nothing. He didn't not only leave us nothing, he left us thousands of dollars in bills. We couldn't pay for the funeral. You know what happened at the funeral? Some guy, I'm not going to mention his name because I may disappear, came up to us with an envelope. He said, Take care of the funeral. And don't ask where it came from. Well, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I, I want to live. <laughs> Italians know how to take care of themselves. But believers miss this. We miss it. We just get them out of our hair. Let me live my life. Just get away from me. I'm too busy for you. Let me, let me, let me just, I, I mean, I can barely make it myself. I, I can't take care of you. I can't even take care of myself. Get out of here. No, no, we are doubly damned. We have denied the faith and we are living at a level lower than unbelievers. You want to know how strong this is? We had missionary friends um, that were in Ecuador and the De Queens. You know the De Queens back there? Well, his cousin, uncle, whoever it was, he was a missionary in Ecuador, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, the church was booming. God was blessing. People getting saved. He's doing a great job. He says, we have to leave Ecuador. We said, why are you leaving Ecuador? Because my wife's parents are sick, and we need to go take care of them. They left the mission field. They came back. They took care of her parents. Her parents died. They went back to the mission field. 
You see, some people, and this is what Satan says, you are better off serving God outside your home and far away from your home. No, God is saying you serve God in your home and you take care of people who are in your care. Don't think this, don't believe this lie that I'm better off and I'm just serving God so I can neglect this. No, no, no. This is not an inconvenience. This is God's will. And so, if something happens to one of my in-laws and they need a place, I will fix up the shed. <laughs> I don't know how I'll get a bathroom out there, but I'll call Sam. Maybe he can help me. <laughs> He's amazing with his hands. No, no, no. <clears throat> Being all serious. We serve God by taking care of them. I was blown away on how this can apply to our church. I was talking to Mrs. Turk, and she was telling me about how there's a man in her church named Ryan Long who has a ministry to all the widows in the church. Now listen to this. If there is anything that they need, they call him. He says, I don't want you changing a light bulb in your house. We will come and serve you. He's a point man. So they call him, he go, and then he, he calls people in the church, and people in the church go out and change light bulbs for people. They, they wash cars. For, they do all kinds of things. They take care of people. She said, Jeremy, you need somebody who is burdened for that and to do that in your church. Is there someone here that wants that? Think it through. What a ministry. They call it the Matthew 5.16 ministry. Let your light shine. Let them see your good works so that they would glorify God in heaven. <coughs> now, we need to be careful. The church has its limits. We had people who tried to take advantage of it. One, one family said, you need to make sure that my, uh, my, my father takes all his medicine. We can't do that. We're, we're not, we can't be there 24-7. <clears throat> there are limits. I know that when we say that we need to do something like this, that people can take advantage of us. They will. Well, they'll stand before God for that. But we can't ignore this. There are needs right in our midst. And the question is, do we have a heart to help? Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you and we look at a passage like this and it tugs at our hearts. There are people with no support system. They don't have family around. They don't have their spouse around. They don't have people around to be there them both emotionally, financially, and also, Lord, spiritually. And you have called churches to take care of these people. So, God, I pray that you raise up people with a burden for this, that they would see that this is a way that I could worship God. This is something that pleases you.
Lord, I pray that each child and grandchild would, would take this text seriously. That they would understand that, Lord, there is responsibility here. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to take care of those that we love and who have loved us and who have raised us when I've lived in pain and suffering over us for years, the Lord, that we could pay back and be there for them. God, I pray that this week that you would call people to mind that are in our lives, that are in this situation, that we would give them a call, maybe send them a card, show up, do something with them, whatever it may be, that we can be a blessing to them. Help us not just to hear these words and go home and say, oh, that was nice. But to really put this into practice. And maybe there's people right in their own families that were unwilling to, to make that call. That, Lord, that today would be the day. Father, I, I look at this and I, I see, Lord, <laughs> the need there. God, help us as a church to put what we believe into practice so that others may see what we're doing and glorify you who is in heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen.